Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Perhaps you're one of those people that thought about doing no money down deals in commercial because you've done it in residential. Perhaps you've done some residential uplifts where you've used other people's money and you think maybe it's possible right now because commercial yields are, are better than residential yields and that the uplift could be better in terms of manufactured growth that you should be doing some kind of deal in commercial rather than in residential. Well, the fundamentals are totally different in residential compared to commercial. The deals that you're looking for in commercial is very different to what you'll be looking for in residential. So tune in this two-part podcast where I'll be sharing with you how and what you should be looking for, the kind of money partners you're going to need and the kind of deals and the samples that you're going to need to be able to have the IRI and the metrics that you're going to need to get that uplift. Now, firstly, you need to really understand the fundamentals and education of commercial property as well as capital growth. So if you don't know those, please go back to my previous podcast or to my YouTube channel to find out more. Potentially join one of our boot camps so you can find out more or get us to do a strategy session so we can teach you the strategy. But apart from that, what you need is two types of commercial properties that are best when you're looking at joint venture deals and uplifts and money partners. So I'm going to detail those in this podcast. So I'll walk you through those. And in the second half, I'm going to actually show you some examples, some different metrics and how it's going to work best if you're having a a money partner and how you would equitably split that. Now, that would be more where I'll be showing you some photos and some locations and, and I'll talk you through the deal on the podcast. But if you want to see the second half of it, then tune into my YouTube channel. Commercial Property Roadshow with Helen Tarrant and then you'll be able to see the videos and the the photos of the actual property. But in the meantime, let us walk through the strategy. Let's walk through what you need to look for in that deal and hopefully that will give you some inspiration to get started and go out there and hunt down your own money partner. Today I'm going to share with you about no money down deal. So it's going to be a two part video. So this is the first part on the foundations of no money down deals. Second part, I'm going to actually share with you the property, the type of properties and how you will split it and what will be equitable and what you need to do. But the one thing that's really important if you want to do no money down deals is that you have to know commercial property foundations inside out. So you have to know the core concepts of commercial property. You have to understand capital growth or capital gains in commercial property and how that works and the multiplier effect. You have to be able to find areas where the yield is compressing so the yields are coming down. And I know that you say that it could be anywhere in Australia right now. And look, it's never been a better time to do an uplift than right now because there's yields you know, compressing everywhere. But you've got to look at markets where it's compressing faster than others to do that uplift yield to bring the money partner in, do a quick flip in and out and, you know, split the money and on your way, right? So no money down deals means that you have to find a money partner because someone has to pay for the property. It doesn't have to be you, but a money partner, uh, a vendor finance, extended settlement, or uh, if you're refinancing or using someone's equity, that these things all count down as no money down deals. But the true money, no money down deals is you putting in the effort. You as the partner who's putting in the effort and the deal partner is doing all the work. The money partner is just giving you money. You do the project, you do the uplift, you split the difference. That's all you do, right? 
And how that works is firstly, you need to know a commercial property. You need to go out and source a deal. A deal, the property that is best done for this no money down deal is vacant properties, properties on low or month-to-month uh, -month leases. So low rents or month-to-month -month leases are really great. Vacant properties that are in key locations you could refurbish, put a tenant in and uplift it. So those two type of deals are, diff are great. So let's talk about them. Number one, low rents. So low rents means that in time you can put new, you put the rents up with the current tenant or kick the current tenant out, put new rents in and put new new tenants in who's paying new rents and make sure then you get an uplift in terms of equity because the rent has changed and increase the value of the property. You may need to do some refurbishments for the property. So depending on the type of tenant you have, you might need to help them out with new refurbishments. Or if your current tenant doesn't want to pay the high rent, get rid of them, release the property, do a quick cosmetic reno, put the new tenant in, uplift the property, and off you go. You sell it to an investor, not a speculator like you are doing right now. Or you might have tenants on month-to-month -month leases. You buy it and you then renegotiate the lease, put them on long-term leases, uh, so three, five or years or more, or even more than two years is good. Or you can take the, the property if they're on month to month and say, hey, you don't need such a large premise. Let's go from you know a 200 square meter premise to a 100 square meter premise, put a dividing wall, put a new tenant in there, increase the rent, increase the value of the property, and then you can sell it on sell it to an investor. You cash out, you keep some money, you give the investor some, the cash um, partner some money, and everyone's happy, right? So that's number one. Number two, vacant properties. So why would vacant properties be ideal for money partners or joint ventures? Well, vacant properties are ideal because you're buying them in an area that that may be a key location. It's vacant and the vendor doesn't, it's just full of headaches for the vendor. The vendor no longer wants it. Also, maybe the vendor is aging and they're just not interested in, in you know, refurbishing it, putting a new tenant in there. And a lot of that happens to properties that are a little bit older, uh, properties that may potentially be a warehouse property, property that may have been tenanted for the last 20 years, became vacant, the vendor no longer want, it was left in a bad state because it's been not renovated or touched for 20 years, the vendor don't have the money, don't want to uplift it, don't want to put a new tenant in, in there, even though the key location, if you spent, you know, 20, 30, $50,000 on it, become a really brand new premise, they're no longer interested, that's where you come in, you take their headache off them, and you refurbish that. Of course, for the price of taking the headache off them, you get the property at a not a bargain at good value, so a very good buy. So in this market, you know, we're not talking fire sales. We're talking if the potentially the property is worth a mil, you might be able to buy it for nine hundred. A mil, you might be able to buy it for eight fifty, right? Or you know, or, or a five hundred thousand dollar property that eventually when you do up it could be worth seven hundred or eight hundred thousand. That's the gist of it, right? So you're looking for access. So firstly, parking access to major highways, freeways, or business hubs, or anything like that. Looking at two, location. So is it a location that lots of tenants like to go to, go past, drive past, uh, and or a tenants like to visit? Number three, uh, you're looking at uh, the type of tenancy that would work in there, so versatility of the premise. Is it a retail, office, warehouse? Can you split it up, make it something else? Can you make one into two? Can you put grease traps in there? Can it be a cafe, a dentist, hairdresser, 
uh, a government tenancy? Can it be all of those? And number four, what about disability access, um, bath disability, bathrooms, own amenities, all of those things because it adds value to the property? Or could you add those things as well? Then those are the key factors, right? And of course, you're looking at comparable rents, right? Can you get the level of rent you need in that property to make that value work? Because it's all about relating to rent. The more money you can put into it, the more money you you should be able to pull out of it, right? But not always the case. So you've got to make sure that really happens. And once you know that, you've got to research what kind of marketing you're going to need to get that kind of tenant. And but also what kind of rent incentives or tenant incentives you're going to need. Plus on top of that, what kind of basic refurbishments you're going to need. So and how much is that going to cost? Is it just like air conditioning, um, coat of paint, new bathrooms, uh, ceiling, wall, you know, all done? Or is it a real fit out where, you know, you've got a dentist surgery where you have to put plumbing through or a spa where you have to, you know, a beauty spa where you have to put plumbing through? Uh, or is it going to be a commercial kitchen? All of those things starts to vary and you've got to do your numbers in the back end to see if it's worthwhile to uplift. But rule of thumb is 20 to 30% uplift in a commercial property and you should aim to do that within a 12 months period. And it should be as hands off as possible for you to get that uplift. So maybe your tenant, if you give them that 100K, 200K will do the uplift for you or potentially you will do a bare shell uplift for the property to bring it back to a nice neat state and the tenant will do the rest. Or maybe you could hire someone local as a project manager to do it for you. Or you could go and ask someone local to help you do the leasing and find a tenant first, then do the refurbishment as well. Look, it's a lot of that is chicken or the egg, but those are the two opportunities in the market. Now, low leases, like lease rates, so low rents and month to month are really good because you're not competing with either the investor market or the the owner occupier market you're competing with people who are speculators and there's less speculators out there than investors vacant properties are harder in this market because there's a lot of owner occupiers in this low interest rate environment who can actually afford to buy their own property which means that they don't want to rent anymore which then makes it harder as well so you're competing against them and owner occupier always willing to pay more for a property because they could occupy for 10 years and it's irrelevant whether they're paying you know, 50, 100 grand more for that property. So those two strategies do work, but you've got to make sure you choose the right area. So you've got to look at all the gentrifications happening in the area, got to look at what uh, is happening in the yield compression in that area and what property really sells to the investor market on the back end as well. Now, on top of that, uh, when you go and seek a money partner, what needs to be laid out clearly is an agreement to say who's paying what. The money partner might be putting in the deposit or they're putting in the whole lot. So let's say you're buying a million dollar property, money partner puts in that million, you buy the property, you create that uplift. So whether you're putting in the 100 grand or 200 grand to do the uplift, if the property ends up selling for you know 1.5, 1.6 million, when all the taxes, all of the stamp duties and everything is taken out, who is going to pay what? Is it going to be a unit trust structure? So it's important to get your structure right or it's going to be a company, or it's going to be a joint venture between your two entities. You've got to work out what's the best way to do it. So have that discussion with your accountant. And then what you want to do is go, what do I do with a split? Does the money partner who's, let's say, putting in a million dollars get a 
turn on investment through just purely interest rate. So you're paying them 10% interest rate because usually money partners want a higher interest rate than they can get at the bank or a fund management or, you know, private lending. So if they're doing this, they probably want some kind of high interest rate. So 10% or 15% is, is quite normal when you're looking at money partners. Uh, so that on, uh, that on a million dollars is 10, it's about, well, it's about 10 grand. Um, or more actually, it's about, it's actually 10%, it's about 100 grand. But so you bet 100 grand. So on a million dollars, is that, you know, over a year's period, is that what you're paying them? Is that what the uplift will be? So if you uplift the property from 1 mil to 1.5, you pay them oh, 100 grand, you pay some capital gains tax and you pocket the rest of it, that's pretty good. Or is it going to be 15% uh, and it's going to be 150 grand? Or alternatively, is it more that they get a share of the profits later on? So let's say you uplift a million dollar property and you put in a hundred grand yourself and it's at 1.1. You add in stamp duty and everything you know, to complete the deal and any miscellaneous things um, and decaying turn in the future sales and everything. So just add another hundred grand, 1.2. Let's say you sell it for 1.5. There's 300K there. Um, there's probably going to be some some capital gains tax in there. There may be capital gains discount depending on how long you've held the property. Uh, but if you did a unit trust or a joint venture, that's probably going to be split between the two of you. But it's about working through the equitable split. So that means that if you had that 300k, would it be a 50-50? So you get 150,000, they get 150,000, they get 150,000 doing nothing. You got 150,000 because you put in all the works. Or alternatively. Do they get 30%? You get 70%. Or do they get 60%? You get 40%. It's all up for negotiations. But make sure you document that. Make sure you both are happy with that. Make sure you work out when it's to be paid. In commercial property, a share of the profits is way better than an interest rate. Uh, interest, re interest rate or interest on the money. And that's different from residential because in residential, you know, you could be in and out flipping houses within six months, nine months, 12 months. In commercial, you don't know how long it's going to take you to, to tenant a property. You could take an extra three months. You could have a tenant that's not ready to start in three till three months time. And that's quite common. You could have a tenant that you could take you six months to find a tenant, then have to refurbish it for the particular tenant, then wait for them to be able to sign on for it. And you could, you could do that. And it could take you nine months or 12 months to get the tenant in there. Or you knock back a few tenants because you're waiting for the one right tenant. Now, that's all going to start chewing into your interest rate and your money if you have a partner on board that you're giving an interest return on. But if you get a partner who's doing profit share with you on the back end, then whether it's going to be one extra month, two extra months, or three extra months at the end, really doesn't really matter that much. So that is the benefit of when you do commercial, it's better to do a profit split. So on that note, I'll wrap this video up. Tune in for my next video. Uh, tune in for my next video and watch the case studies. I'm going to talk about those specific case studies. So vacant property and properties that are low or under rented and how you would create the uplift and how I will work with a money partner. So until next time, tell me if this is what you want to hear. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.